Welcome to the Compassionate Educators Show for teachers who desire to change lives without self-sacrifice. Let's dig deep together into the skill set, mindset, and best practices you and your students need to thrive in today's schools. Now your host, Marie Cooney. Hello and welcome Compassionate Educator friends. How are you today? And when I ask that, I mean really, how are you? Let's do a check-in right now, do a body scan, do a mindset check. How are you feeling today? What is going on? And just be aware, acknowledge where you are at right now. And I just wanted to put this reminder in here because a lot of times we get wrapped up in the busyness of just day-to-day tasks and we don't always take the time to just sit and listen to what it is that our body needs. So take a moment to just reflect, just acknowledge, and bring awareness because when we have that awareness, we can make some changes and adjustments so that we are at our optimal capacity for life, right? So it's really important to do those check-ins, those self-reflections every single day. Because that is going to help us to reduce burnout. It's going to help us to have more compassion. It's going to make sure that we are truly able to meet our own needs so that we can help meet the needs of others. Okay, so let's get into today's episode, which I want to share with you some thoughts that I had about the way that we structure our schools and the classrooms. So this week I had the wonderful, wonderful gift of being able to present two sectionals at my state's school counseling conference, which was held in Madison, Wisconsin. Now, the sectionals I presented on, one I had with Beth Pelk, which was on the zones of regulation called Zones in Action. And if you're interested in learning more about zones of regulation, check out episode four, where Beth and I talk a bit more about the zones and how we use different activities in the classroom to help children with emotional regulation. So we had our presentation and it went phenomenal. I'm so, so grateful to Beth and to all of the participants, all of the attendees, and looking forward to hearing more about how everyone is bringing in these activities into their own classrooms and into their small group sessions. The second session I presented with Tisa Thompson, which was called the Helper's Wrist Trifecta. If you're interested in learning more about burnout, compassion fatigue, and secondary trauma, I highly recommend going back to episodes 9, 10, 11 of this podcast where you can hear more about that. Now, there's so much more in both of those areas that I just simply don't have time to get into, you know, very deeply through the conference or through the podcast. So if you want more information, connect with me personally and we can we can really dig a little bit deeper and create a personalized plan for you, okay? So you can email me support at compassionateeducators.com. So getting into some of the ideas I had as we were at the conference, I 
can't tell you how many times I heard from different attendees about how difficult it was to sit throughout the day and be able to be present and focused because it just becomes a long day and there's a lot of sitting. And every time I go to a conference, I always bring my attention to, wow, this is how the students are probably feeling, right? So the students, they spend so much of their day sitting and listening and writing and reading and solving math problems and, you know, the list goes on. But when it all comes down to it, they're expected to, for the most part, be pretty quiet, sit for a long period of time, and be okay with that. And I always think about how is it that we expect them to be okay with that when we aren't even okay with that. So they have these little bodies that are made to move, that are made to explore, that are curious. I know, I know that a lot of times there's a lot of barriers in place as far as, well, if we have the students up and having too much movement, it becomes chaotic in the classroom. There's also, well, if we have the students talk too much, they're not going to learn, they're not going to understand the concepts that I'm trying to teach, and it becomes quite a challenge to have all of these pieces mesh together and be able to meet the students' basic needs for just movement and being able to express themselves, but then also being able to teach the standards and being able to create a peaceful classroom in which there's not a lot of chaos. So the question is, how do we do that? And this isn't a new question, right? This is something that is continuing to be explored And I ask that you continue to explore that within your own classroom. Look at how is it that I can create that balance between meeting the students' needs of movement, of curiosity, of being able to discuss with others and bring about some intention with creating a safe environment for them as well. So how do we bring that together? And it is a challenge. It's not easy. However, if we can really consider that and reflect on it, be intentional about it, we can start to discover how that might look, how that might happen. So that's one point is if we aren't able to sit in a seat and focus all day long, you know, and being quiet then how do we expect the students to? So really something to consider. Now, I do hope, though, that the participants who were in my sectionals were not feeling that way, and they did seem very engaged, and we had some activities for them and some reflection. Always, always looking into how you can bring that about in your classroom. The second insight that I had while attending the conference is... As adults, we are allowed to go into the rooms with our coffee, with our water, with our snacks. And if we didn't have time to finish, you know, eating lunch, we can even bring it into the room and finish there. And nobody questions it. Nobody 
looks down upon someone who needs something to drink or a snack, right? It's, it's acceptable. So why is it that as adults, we are, one, we are able to anticipate our needs better than children, but two, we are allowed to meet those needs more so than we allow our children to. So I know that we have structures in place. We have times where they're allowed to have lunch, sometimes snack, depending on the grade level. But all in all, we structure and schedule them so much that if they do have a need that's beyond what the group needs are, they're kind of out of luck, aren't they? So they kind of just have to deal with it, put up with it. But as adults, we are given that space, that opportunity. And I'm going to say that even in the classroom, I don't mean to call anyone out here, but I've seen teachers snacking in the classroom. Uh, When I was pregnant and in the classroom, I had to. Otherwise, I probably would pass out on the floor, to be honest, because I was going from one classroom to the other with no time in between. And if I did have five minutes in between, I was in the bathroom (laughs) because I was pregnant. So any of you that have been pregnant, you know how that feels, right? So again, as adults, we are able to have some flexibility in taking care of our personal needs. However, for the most part, children are not allowed to have that same compassion. Even in terms of using the restroom, if you're at a conference and you are listening to a speaker, you might feel uncomfortable about having to get up and use the restroom if it's an extreme need. You might feel a little awkward, you know, having to ask people to move their legs so that you can get through the aisle. However, you have the right to do so and nobody's going to question it. We, again, in so many classrooms are not allowing children the same. Actually, my son, this was maybe just the, maybe the third week that he was in kindergarten. He was in gym class and he had to use the restroom. He wasn't thinking beforehand, okay, I should use the restroom because I'm going to go to gym class and there's not going to be an opportunity. No, they had snack. And then it was time to get ready for specials. And so he just went with the flow. He was going along with his class. He was in gym and he needed to use the restroom. And he asked the teacher. So from what I was told, he asked the teacher, can I go to the bathroom? And he was not allowed to use the bathroom. Well, what happened? We have a six-year-old who needs to go to the bathroom who just had snack time. And he came home with wet pants. And I just, my heart sank because I know how embarrassing that is for a student. And I also know that sometimes those needs can't be anticipated enough in advance, even for adults. So how do we expect our children, even our youngest children, to be able to do so? So how are we allowing for that flexibility again in the classroom How are we allowing the students to be able to consider what their own personal needs are and help them help themselves meet those needs? Because then if we think about the long term, those students who are not allowed to have their needs met, if they're not on the same schedule as other students, then there's some potential long-term consequences that go along with that. So 
you know, looking into, well, maybe my needs aren't as important, right? So that can create all kinds of barriers and mindset blocks as they get older. And it may seem a little dramatic <laughs> as, you know, I'm saying this, but I'm telling you, like, this is this is real. You know, we have adults who have, I mean, we all, we have these big mindset blocks that stop us from doing things and stop us from meeting our own needs, even as adults. Where did that come from? That came from us being children and being told that we're not allowed to do certain things or that our needs aren't as important or, um, you know, that we need to be different <laughs> than who we are. So again, just consider how you can help your students be able to navigate that. The third point as a conference attendee is the power of being able to choose where we want to go. So anytime you go to a conference, you might have the keynote speaker and everyone attends and that's an expectation, but then you have all of these sectionals that you can choose from and how fun is it? to be able to choose a session that reflects where you are professionally, that is of interest to you personally. I really enjoy being able to make those choices because I know if I make a choice that really resonates with me, then I'm going to be more engaged. I'm going to be more likely to take something from that session and use it in my own life professionally personally, share it with others. Yet again, we don't do that for the students. We expect all of our students to to go through the same curriculum. Now, I know as classroom teachers, as school counselors, as school social workers, as school staff, we are given a curriculum that we are expected to follow. We have certain subjects and topics and projects that we have to teach to the students and that's kind of a given. But something I want for us to really think about more is how can we give more choice? How can we give more choices to the students in their own learning? How can we help them to be engaged more by creating content and creating opportunities for them to have choices, for them to have a voice in what they're learning? So even within the context of a curriculum that must be followed, what type of choices can you bring into it? What kind of activities can the students participate in that is of their own choosing? And with this, I think a lot about project-based learning. And I know that project-based learning at its core really is meant to bring this to light, is really meant to help students have that freedom in developing projects that are of interest to them, that they feel really skilled in, that they have either a prior knowledge that they want to dig deeper into, or something that they've been curious about. Also, just bringing those questions about so that they can really reflect on what's valuable and of interest to them. And that can make such a difference for classroom engagement. And then the fourth and final piece that really jumped out to me is that at conferences, not only do we have that ability for more freedom and choice as conference participants, but look at the 
exhibitors. So most conferences, they have exhibitors who are there and they're connecting and trying to engage with the participants. So I had the opportunity to not only present two of the sessions, but I also was an exhibitor because I had a compassionate educator's table where participants could come play with kinetic sand. And I had the Hoverman sphere, which some people refer to as the breathing ball that they could try out. I had pin art there. We had a basket, which people could put their name in a drawing to win some of those emotional regulation tools for themselves, for their classrooms, for their students. And what I'm connecting to the classroom as far as the tables that the exhibitors had is that how often do we allow for our students to share what is of interest to them? In addition to being able to have the table where people could come and explore a little bit more and we could talk about what Compassionate Educators is and connect in that way, I was also able to connect with some amazing people who were at the conference, such as the Concordia Language Villages. You guys, like this program has been in existence for, I think she said 60 years in the state next to mine in Minnesota, and I had never heard about it. So it's this amazing community in which students, families can go to camp for four days, for a week. I think they have extended stay as well. You become immersed through, and not only through the language, but through the food, through the culture. They even have buildings that are designed to be in line with if you're going to go to Italy, if you're going to go to Spain or France or whichever language camp you choose to go to. I have no affiliation with them. I just thought it was amazing and I personally want to bring my family there. But the point that I want to make about this is there are so many students who have a wealth of knowledge or who have interests that it would be amazing for them to be able to share that with others. I was just speaking earlier this week with a teacher whom I coach, and she said that one of her students is a big World War II buff. This particular student, he's very quiet. He's kind of on the outskirts of the classroom at recess. He's, you know, not quite yet connected to the other students, but he volunteered that if anyone wants any information on World War II, that he's the go-to person. And how cool is that? Because all of our students, they have some type of knowledge or skill or hobby or interest that they are able to share with other students. But how often is it that we are giving them opportunities to share their own knowledge. And guess what? That's what leadership is. You know, we we talk about having students develop leadership skills, but how many opportunities do we give them to be able to do so? Maybe in the high school, but at that point, the students have already kind of self-selected who's a leader, who's not, who's, you know, has the knowledge, who doesn't. And oftentimes that's determined not by their own personal skills and attributes, but that's determined by who is the best at what is being taught or who is the most vocal. I asked you to consider 
How can you help the students, all of your students in your classroom, find their own voice and be able to express their own interests and knowledge to the other students? And that might look different for other students. It might not always be in the form of a presentation. There's other ways that we can help them shine, and we want all of our students to feel confident that they have something unique, that they have a gift, that they have knowledge, that they have skills that are valuable, that should be shared with others, and what a neat experience it is for them and for the students that are learning something new. I'm so grateful that that the Concordia Language Village employees were there to share what they're doing because if they weren't there sharing, I never would have known. Now, my goal is over the summer to bring my family there, and I am super excited for that opportunity. So how is it that we can help our students shine their own light? So those are my reflections from the conference. I'm going to go through those again. Uh, One, how can we bring movement and flexibility to our classrooms? Two, can we help our students be able to make those decisions in meeting their own needs? So are we allowing for them to meet their basic needs if they're hungry, if they're thirsty, if they need to use the restroom? How are we building that structure into our classrooms so that they can help themselves to take care of their basic needs just as we do as adults. Third is looking at how can we build choice into our classrooms and then lastly how can we help develop leadership skills in our students by helping them acknowledge that what they are bringing to the classroom is valuable and how can they share that with others. I always offer, if you need some guidance, some support in making this happen and creating a plan for yourself, reach out to me. I'm happy to help, whether it's a one-time free call or if you want ongoing support to make sure that you are able to truly make a difference in your classroom, that you are able to bring this information in a way that's going to come alive in your classroom and you're going to do this without burning out, that you're going to have the support that you need as a life-changing teacher, as a compassionate educator. So I hope that these reflections were valuable, and I would love to hear about any new ideas that you have that came from this episode and how we can use our time during conferences to bring that about to our classrooms, to our students, and I thank you so much for being here today. I look forward to being with you next time.